Hey everyone, welcome to Women's Work, Rising, Leading, and Thriving, produced by the Institute for Women, Wellness, and Work at Ursuline College. I'm Gina Messina, and this is a podcast that empowers women to recognize ourselves as the leaders we've been waiting for. Today, I am super excited to be talking with Allison Jimenez, mechanical engineer and well-recognized as a leader in the energy industry. She serves as innovation and technology development manager at Swedgelock and is most certainly a role model to girls and young women everywhere who are passionate about the field of STEM. She brings a critical eye to her leadership role that inspires her teams at Swedgelock and beyond. Allison, I am so excited to be talking to you today. As I read your bio, I was just, I was blown away like literally blown away. You are in mechanical engineering, a leader in your field. And I wanted to start off asking you, like, what made you choose mechanical engineering? And what is it like for you as a woman in such a male-dominated field? Sure. I guess the easiest way is to start thinking about what what I thought when I was a child. I grew up in a household with two brothers, And all of my cousins were also male. So even though I played with traditional girl toys, um, let's be real, I was the youngest. I wanted to model them. So I would play with G.I. Joe's and cars and things that maybe are more traditionally male. And early on, I already knew that I really wanted, that I really liked how things worked. And I like to understand how things in the world worked. So I was pretty obsessed with space. Um, Pretty much since I was five, I wanted to be an astronaut. Now, with that said, you know, as I grew up and realized how short I was and how difficult it is to actually become an astronaut, I was like, well, maybe that's not going to happen. But, you know, how can I how can I work around, you know, that field and help support those that get to go up there? So that's kind of how I started leaning towards engineering. And in particular, I was thinking aerospace and, and you know, like everything in life, um, once you start doing it and you start getting to understand better and better. Um, what I realized was that mechanical engineering was this great field where you can do so much, right? It's one of those engineerings that has so many different paths. You could be very traditionally mechanical, right? Um, So gears and cars and, you know, and and things that move, but you could also kind of concentrate more on biomechanics and how does the body move versus metal. And that idea of having that broad spectrum and broad opportunity was really exciting. And it kept my my curiosity very alive. And that's really why why I ended up in mechanical engineering. And and in a weird way, it, it almost was one of these things of like, that's cool. That's cool. That's cool. And I kept just going. And, and the next thing I know, I, I was really falling in love with the idea of being able to understand and explain and create how things work and how I can make things work. I realized very early on when I went to college that it was such a male dominated field, which was not something that I actually realized before. Maybe because I was so surrounded by male entities and I, and they treated me very similar. Um, and I didn't really realize that it was weird for a girl to be that into mechanical things until I I went to my first class and I, my class, my mechanical engineering class was 117 people and there were 14 women. 
in my class. Wow. Um, so I know that things are different now, um, which is great, right? It's been um, 17 years since I graduated. So I'm glad to see that things are different, but at that time it wasn't, right? And, and should I add as well that it's not only that it, there were 14 of us, the 14 of us were also very diverse in, in, in itself. I was the only Latina um, in my class. And from a general demographics, it was also very diverse within the 14 girls too. So it was a very interesting thing to go through. Um, I, I think that what that meant was that I needed to make my voice heard, right? That was, I think, the key thing when I realized that there were so few women in, in the field. It was so easy to get drowned out by by the larger, more sh- or stronger voices, right? I, I realized that just because I, I was different or I was in the minority in this class, I needed to kind of think, hey, they're just like my friends or my family that I grew up with and they respect me and they valued my opinions. So I'm just going to voice it. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh- <laughs> I think that's amazing. And clearly you're a trailblazer in your field. You are, you're a trailblazer. And I also think it's amazing that you were able to have, and not that you shouldn't, you should have that confidence in the classroom and moving through your coursework and into your field. You absolutely should. And I think Often we hear so many stories of women, myself included, dealing with imposter syndrome. And I would imagine like being one of 14 women in a class with over 100 people is a place where you could really um, struggle with that. So I think it's amazing and really a testament to who you are that you were like, I'm not going to let this stand in my way. I know my thoughts and my ideas are valuable and I'm going to put them out there. So that's, I mean, really a role model. For so many of us. Well, thank you. I think I think what's interesting too, and and what I like to talk a lot with with some of my younger female people that I work with is it's it's also this mindset, right? So one of the things that I I think I struggled more more than the actual fact that I was a one of very few females around was that I also maybe didn't fit what people would think of a mechanical engineer female. And what I mean by that is, so even though I was always obsessed with how things work and the physics, and I understood a lot of how mechanics work, for example, I've never really been into cars. I like planes and I like rockets, but I was never really into like the car aspect. And, you know, I talked to so many mechanical engineers on a day-to-day basis and they talk about like, oh, I'm rebuilding this 19th. 52, whatever. And they got, get all excited. And what one of my electrical engineers is like a super avid motorcycle rebuilder, right? Like they're, they're just so into like cars and I'm not. And, and that, for example, was like also like an interesting challenge, right? Because that was the expectation was that, well, we had to be very into cars. The other thing was I love to wear dresses. So I think I was like the only woman around <laughs> the engineering class that wore skirts to school. So it, it it was just interesting. And for a second there, I think I there was a time during between my freshman and sophomore year that I had the thought, maybe this is not for me right? Maybe I'm too different. Maybe I should go more into traditional physics or traditional science and and become a teacher, which I have nothing against that, right? Like I grew up with a teacher. Uh, um, 
my my mom is one and and I really did think oh maybe that's that's a better fit for me than having to like if I don't like cars can I really do this but that but that's the thing engineering is so broad and there are so many things that you can do in pretty much every field as long as as you're passionate about what you're trying to do I think it doesn't really matter so so I I have to ask you you're at this amazing company, Swedgelock, doing fantastic things in a leadership role. And I wonder, are there any challenges you experience as a woman? What are like the intersectional challenges you might face? And, and where do you feel like your identity gives you a leg up in the work you're doing? So I've been very fortunate to work for companies where I feel very included and accepted as a female, as a mechanical engineer, as a Latina. I have heard stories <laughs> of different people in my positions where I've been very fortunate that I, I've never felt that there has been kind of a systematic issue or a problem where I can't succeed or, or, or be heard or do what I need to do. In fact, what I would say is that the companies that I've worked for, including Swayschlag, um, have actually seen the benefit of those differences that I can bring. And what I mean by that is there's there's a lot of things about how I grew up and the life that I've led that I think gives me an interesting perspective. I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. I moved to the States for the first time to go to school um, for mechanical engineering. I had never lived in the States. I had never had to fluently speak English. I, I did learn English, but I never had to actually speak it 24-7, let alone learn engineering in a different language. And, and then on top of that, once I finished my bachelor's and my master's, I went and started working and I've lived in four different states. Since then, I've lived in the South and the Southwest now, now here in Cleveland. And I, and I think all of that as part of, of, of my journey brings in a lot of different perspectives that are, are considered valuable. And, and the reason why they are valuable is because when you are doing something, whatever it is, and especially when you're talking about engineering and designing and making things, products that people are going to use or leverage, there, there's so much more than the actual science behind it or the actual ultimate goal, right? There are, there are things about different interactions, how people see different things, right? There, if, if you have to think about manuals, for example, how do how do you call it out? Like, is English the right language, um, or how would it translate? And those are things that I'm not saying that I'm I'm the only one that, that thinks about those, but I I bring that. I'll give you an example. We were working on this product, and we we're working on how this website was going to look. And there was an aspect of the website that has to date. And you think, what's the problem, right? Is today is May seventh, right? Five seven twenty twenty one. And I made the comment, hey, can we make the field so you can switch it? And People were like, what are you talking about? I was like, well, in Spanish, it wouldn't be like that. In Spanish, it would be 7-5-2021. So day first, month second, um, year late. And it was like, oh, wow, like we hadn't even thought about that. We need to make sure that the website has the ability to choose to change how you see the date. And it sounds really trivial, but those are the things that diverse thinking and diverse group of people that have different experiences can bring in and why is it important, right? Because now if a website is meant to be global, it should be fixable for the global way of looking at it. So 
not trivial at all, right? I mean, that is such an excellent example, like something so small that none of us think about, like just the way the date is. Mm -hmm. We don't all write it the same way or read it the same way. And like you said, a global website needs to respond to that. And that's just a terrific example. I appreciate you sharing that so much. And I think it's little things like that that really allow us to open our eyes to see what kinds of things our own identities can sometimes leave us missing because we're so focused on our own way of something and not seeing the way things work beyond our own purview. So I I think that's wonderful. As I said, I know you're in this incredible leadership position and that you talk about yourself as an inspirational leader, which I absolutely appreciate and think is so important because, you know, when we talk about how we inspire employees or how we motivate employees, a lot of people are so focused on the money aspect. And yes, like we all need to be paid and getting a bonus is great. But if you don't care, if you're not inspired about what you're doing, your level of commitment to it is certainly going to be different or the the passion that you put into it is certainly going to be different. So I think being able to inspire people is the most critical part of motivating your team. So I wonder if you can talk a little bit about like what it means to you to say that you are an inspirational leader and what are the different things that you do to inspire your teams? So when I when I really think about an inspirational leader, wh- what I think about is not necessarily that the people that are working within my team or or that report to me have to do just have to do one thing or a couple of things just to be successful right what what i want them to see is obviously to perform and do what they need to be done that what needs to be done but also to have it done so that they see the value not only the value to the overall company and the overall project or the overall goal but the value to themselves and what are they getting out of it? And, and that to me is one of those key things that I try to make sure and spend the time with each of my associates to understand how they're feeling about whatever task and whatever goal it is. And, and if they're not clear how they're getting value out of it, I try to make sure that they understand that. And I think that what that does is not only make them excited about what needs to get done, even if they're not maybe in love with something, right? Because it happens, but they, they can, it's so much easier to do things when you know that there is something that is going to help not only the bigger picture, but yourself as well. And, and I think that, that what that also does is, is kind of put that little, um, that little motivation to also think about what else can I do now that I've learned this or now that I obtained this, can I do more? And to me, the biggest sign of a good leader is when your people succeed. Like I, me going up any, any sort of ladder is not as important as the people that work with me doing what they want to do. And some of them are perfectly fine in just doing what they're doing. And they just want to continue to learn and grow and just kind of have a comfortable um, work day today and, and, and live happy. And that's great. And some of them want to be leaders and some of them want to grow further um, or experience different things. And to me, their success is what really makes me successful. So that's, so that's really my goal. So usually when I try to, or when I, when I'm talking in, in terms of development or mentoring, either, either people that 
work with me or work around me. What, what I try to get is to what is it that you're trying to do? What is it that you're trying to get to? What are the chat? What are the gaps that exist for you to get there and trying to spin? Okay. This that you're doing, this is how it's going to help you get there. Um, let's think about it. And if it, and if it's not, if there's nothing in your work that, tr- that is actually giving you something that leads you to where you want to go, then let's try to find it. Let's try to find then what's your next opportunity that can give you what you need to go further. And and that's how I think about inspirational leadership. And that's really what I aim to promote with my teams. That's great. So let me ask you, this will be my, my last question. You talk about mentoring. What do you think is the most important words of wisdom that you could give to someone that you're mentoring? What is What's the most important advice that you give? I think the most important advice I can give to somebody that I'm mentoring is to think through first, what is it that you want to get out of my relationship with them? And what I mean by that is, I think is, I I think is sometimes misleading when people think, oh, I have this mentor and this one person, and this has been my mentor for 10 years. There's no problem with that. And I've had mentor relationship, mentor-mentee relationships that have lasted that long. But that's not always the right solution, I think. I think what really matters is when, when you're thinking about a mentoring relationship is where are you at at the moment? What is your goal out of this mentor relationship? And go at it with that mentality. And if that's not the right person, it's okay. You can say, you know what? I think that you would help me if this was my, my path. But, you know, I'm going to go over here and try to find something else. So, yeah. So to me, the biggest key thing is, is it the right relationship for the moment? Are you getting the right um, interaction? I think when those two things are there, that's when mentor relationships really work. If not, I don't know. It feels that maybe it's more of a check mark. And you don't get that the, the right value, I think, of a mentor relationship. I think there's more value in your time and effort and continuing to find that that perfect fit or that perfect fit for the time than just saying, okay, I have a mentor. So that's usually my 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 recommendation when it comes to, you know, what kind of mentors I should have or or what kind of relationship or should it be forced or should it be? I think it's important that both the mentee and the mentor are are in the same space and that they can actually help each other out. I really like that you say they can help each other out because I think no matter what your position, um, we all learn from each other all the time. I always say like, I learn new things for my students every semester. Like it's, it's a learning experience for me just as much as it is for them. And as long as we leave ourselves open to that, really wonderful things can happen. And there's mentoring moments, I think that happen all the time, you know, um, not just in those like very defined relationships, but in, in these brief conversations that come up and we learn something new. And I think that's so beautiful. So Allison, this has been a really wonderful conversation. And I am so grateful to you for making the time, all that you have going on and being here. And I know that so many people are going to appreciate your voice and all that you share today. So thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for listening in today. And to learn more about our guests, visit our website at womenwellnesswork.ursuline.edu. Don't forget to subscribe to Women's Work on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts.